Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the Connected by Stories podcast. I am your host, Orwell. Today I've been joined by Emmy as we go through her experience with an abusive relationship. Thank you so much, Emmy, for joining me on the podcast. Hey, you're welcome. It's, yeah, really great to have you here. Oh no, you're good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So today we're just going to be talking about your experience with an abusive relationship and yeah just sharing your story Mm -hmm. and in order for us to do that I guess the best place for us to start is you know the very beginning and you know let's just have a little chat about your childhood and I guess the first question I had was you know did you grow up in a house with both your parents yes I did and in saying that what was the relationship like between you know both your parents and also the relationship between you and your parents Yeah, so I'm extremely fortunate to have really kind and loving parents. Um, Yeah, and I know a lot of people can't say the same, so I really want to, you know, say that from the beginning. Um, They're really great people, and I I am an only child. I was an only child, so I was always, like, the main focal point in my family. Um, So because of this, you know, I was extremely privileged and supported in everything I did and really focused on a lot, which was great in a lot of ways. Um, but it also, you know, made things tricky when I started going down uh, different paths that weren't great. <laughs> but yeah, overall, they've always been like really kind to me and, you know, showered me with love. Um, and like they had some rocky points in their relationship. And since I was only child, I definitely felt like I was really caught up in their problems, which weren't really ever like hidden from me. So yeah, that was kind of like a tough thing. And, you know, I think there was a lot of um, kind of enmeshment going on between all of us because we were just all so close. So when they went through problems, like I was kind of in it, but I always just really wanted to be supportive to both of them. Um, yeah. And then when I was in my own abusive relationship, it was just like really challenging for our family um, because they both just wanted to be happy, me to be happy and really had no idea what to do. Uh, so it put a huge stress on their relationship because they both had different techniques they did for, you know, addressing what I was going through. Um, but gratefully, as I've healed, my relationship with them has gotten like really really great and they're huge support systems for me so i'm really grateful for them oh that sounds awesome it's great to have you know loving parents and people who support you yeah you did just mention you know when you started going through your abusive relationship so let's yeah talk about that yeah um can you tell us about your partner and in terms of the relationship you know just how it was at the start Totally. Yeah. So it's actually a really interesting story because we met in 2007 when I was 12 and he was 13. And we went to the same confirmation class, which is like a thing for church. Um, Yeah. And so we dated for like nine months in seventh grade, which was just kind of the stereotypical innocent middle school relationship was not abusive or anything. It was just like, you know, it's kind of silly. Um, And then yeah, he like broke up with me and I was really heartbroken as like an eighth grader, which, you know, kind of sounds ridiculous, but like those feelings then were real. And I know 
if for some reason any eighth graders were listening now, they would confirm that. <laughs> but yeah, and then when we actually started dating, again, it was at the end of ninth grade. So I had just turned 15 and basically, you know, we already had a history. So I think he just started like texting me or something. And yeah, we just like, that's how we kind of met again, I guess. And um, in terms of that relationship, you did say, you know, you dated from ninth grade. So how long did that relationship last for? Yeah, so it went from the end of ninth grade until almost the end of senior year, like March of senior year. So it was almost three years. And in terms of that relationship, you know, considering you guys met in seventh grade, that's a very long time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously there's history there. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about, you know, when the abuse started and when things started to change? Yeah. So at the start, when we started dating again, I was just like completely head over heels. And I really, truly believe he came back into my life because we were meant to be. Um, I was a huge romantic, very naive and just raised on movies and books that really romanticize that kind of storyline like oh you know he wants me back like this is the best thing that could ever happen to me and I was just really obsessed with the concept of love and so things just like moved really fast and at the beginning like he gave me tons of attention that I had been craving and I had a very anxious attachment style which means like I derived my sense of worth from other people, not from within. Like I was really just always looking for someone else to tell me that I mattered and I was loved. So that really primed me for, you know, a codependent relationship, which is what the relationship quickly became. So that's kind of how it started. But um, yeah, at first it seemed really good, especially then, you know, I thought this was the best thing that had ever happened to me. <laughs> But yeah, I can go into how it changed if you want. Oh, uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, so things change really slowly and it is hard to remember as, you know, any trauma survivor can kind of attest to. It your memory does weird things, but um a great analogy that I really resonate with is if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, it will immediately jump out because it senses the danger. But if you put a frog in a pot of nice, cool water and you gradually raise that temperature, it will boil to death and never be able to see when the pain really began. So that's a good analogy for how it started or, you know, it's like a gradual thing. Um, but yeah, so there wasn't really like a clear start date. And in terms of him being abusive... In what ways was he abusive? Was he, you know, emotionally, yeah. physically? Totally, yeah. So kind of really all of the above. And yeah, I'm definitely like, I can go into it, but it's kind of hard to just like quickly summarize. So um, yeah, if you're able to go into it, please do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm prepared to talk about it because I know how much it matters to, you know, get your story out there so other people know like they aren't alone. So definitely. Yeah. So basically like the first things I remember being really abusive were like being pressured to have sex like really quickly about three months into the relationship um, when we had like barely done anything more than just like kiss. And he was really insistent on both of us like losing our virginities and made it about this really like exciting thing. And 
it was just like tons of pressure and coercion. And he was just always trying to wear me down and convince me that it's really cool and, you know, make it happen. And I was just like, totally like unaware of so many things about my own body and just really had, didn't really have that drive at all yet. So, but I just thought, oh, okay, so I guess that's what you do when you're dating. So we didn't really have like a lot of opportunities to be alone together because we were 15. Um, but he constantly tried to like find ways to sneak around our parents and just make it happen, which I hated <laughs> because I hate, um, you know, sneaking around and lying and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so like basically from the start, you know, our sex life was bad you know and it really just only got worse and I just didn't like ever know what that was like I had never really heard of sexual abuse outside of just like rape by some random person that like stalks you in a dark alley so it was really just like something that I thought was normal and like I he really you know pushed me into it and made me think like it was really cool and adult like so that's kind of what I had turtleized and it was like all of it was really painful and I was just like learning rapidly how to dissociate from my body. And, um, but I would just play it off to my friends. Like I was very cool and mature and, you know, um, all that. But besides that, like the main things were control at first. So he would make a lot of like little comments to make fun of me and demean me and like make fun of the things I liked or was really good at, um, such as like I was on the debate team and like figure skating for years and years and was like obsessed with photography. And he would just find little ways to kind of like pick at those or outrightly make fun of them um, to kind of wear me down and make me just feel like anything I did was stupid or you know, ridiculous. And, but he would always do this in between telling me like how much he loved me and how, you know, we were meant to be together. So I really just thought that like, if I could be better, I could just earn the love that I wanted so badly because it seemed like, you know, he was promising that he was going to love me forever. So if I could just be better and be perfect somehow, like I could get that. And I really just had no clue how to love myself for who I was without someone telling me they loved me. Like that was just a foreign concept. So didn't really have the self-worth piece. And he just totally played that the whole time. And yeah, so that was kind of the beginning. And then gradually things just got worse and worse in his life and naturally our relationship. Um, so in the beginning of our junior year of high school, so about like a year and a half after we started dating, he got arrested for the first time for stealing from our school, like petty theft. Um, but it was enough to get arrested for. And he got put on probation and then promptly broke it by doing drugs and drinking and, you know, blowing hot on his tests and stuff. So he was just basically in and out of jail and rehab for the remaining remaining time of our relationship, which was like obviously very stressful um, and just bizarre to be like. I was always just like this really like kind of good girl, straight A student, like whatever, and I'm dating this guy in jail, and it just like didn't really match up, and it's not like 
you know, I know like people, some people that are in jail are good people, but like he was, you know, <laughs> it just didn't really make sense, like who he was and who I was. Um, but yeah, so as the situation deteriorated, like I was often the number one target for his rage. And I know like he had a lot of stuff going on inside um, and none of that excuses his behavior, but he would constantly just like put me down and find like any reason he could to be suspicious of me, like, which is kind of just a projection of like, when you know you're doing something wrong, you kind of look around and try to see like, you know, how you can blame someone else. So that always came onto me. And I just really thought like, I had to make it better. Like I had to fix him. I had to fix his life. Um, yeah. And like, definitely one of the hardest things that was a really like big point was he suddenly was convinced that I had cheated on him while he was in jail. And it was, yeah, just like really ridiculous. Like I was terrified of even talking to other guys because of how mad he would get if he knew. And he was just like absolutely convinced that I had cheated on him. And I just did everything I could possibly prove I could possibly do to prove that I wasn't cheating on him. So it came to the point where I got like the information of our phone service provider from my parents and gave it to him so he could review every single text and call I had made over the course of the past year. And it took like a number of days for him to go through it all. And it was horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like next level terrible. And I'm like hiding this from everyone around me. Um, yeah. So I just really kept thinking like, you know, if I just prove that I am good enough, if I just change any, everything about my life to be appealing to him, like he will love me again. And I always just would just think about like the first summer we had where there was just tons of grooming and like love bombing. And I would always think of that as like, this is what we could be if like, I, I was just better, you know? So yeah, I could go on and on, but um yeah I don't know like there's just so much to cover but overall like the main things were really yeah just like sexual abuse that was going on and I like did not have the name for it all and lots of emotional abuse and like tons of manipulation and making me feel guilty for having any aspect of my own life and a big thing like narcissists do um which I consider him to be is isolate you from everything else in your life except them which was yeah happening slowly but surely um it was becoming like nearly all of my friends would be a target for him to ridicule or for some reason make me think we're bad and it just like takes away everything good in your life and like all you're left is with that person so then you're completely dependent on them and it's really poisonous for sure. So yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that's the most I can say right now, but. Oh no, that's fine. Thank you so much for that. Of course. You did mention while you were telling your story that um, while all that was going mm-hmm. on, you were also trying to hide that from everyone else around you. Yeah. So in terms of that, while all this stuff was going on, did you have anyone you could, you know, confide in anyone you could talk to? You know, just any support from the people around you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So 
in the beginning and for a really long time, no one knew what was really happening um, because I was so in denial and really just thought like relationships were supposed to be controlling and were supposed to constantly push your boundaries and stuff. So I really, it was kind of easy for me to pretend at first. And I really thought like I was in the relationship with my one true love. And that's what I projected to everyone on like social media and stuff was just like pure happiness and love. And so that kind of went on for a while. Um, And I try and then like, as things got worse and worse, like it started to be like much harder for me to pretend. And like I, I tried my best to maintain relationships with my friends and like figure out times that, you know, I could kind of, it almost felt like I was sneaking away just to hang out with my friends instead of like being with him constantly. Um, but once in a while, like, you know, I'd have to talk on the phone with him for a really long time while I'm supposed to be hanging out with my friend at her house and like would come back, you know, trying not to be like bawling my eyes out. And it's like, how do you hide that? You know, so definitely things started to kind of come out and I would just do, I would just explain my way out of it and like find a way to excuse his behavior and almost, you know, blame myself for it. And all in all, you know, we were all in high school and knowing what I know now, it's like, it's so different than when you're that age and we don't really have the proper education to really know like what abuse is and what to do for someone that's going through it. Yeah. So my friends you know, one, I don't think they really knew the extent of what was happening and, but they still stayed friends with me, even when I was, you know, blowing them off constantly or clearly lying about stuff and just being a generally like not a great friend to them. And I really think that, you know, saved my life, just like them being there for me and not like, like not really confronting me, which, you know, I know, it's hard to say because it's like it seems like you would want someone to maybe intervene but I just like that wasn't gonna work for me like I just needed people to kind of be there um and my parents like they did the best they could and they obviously saw a lot more of what was happening because we lived in the same house together and they would hear me just like bawling my eyes out and see like you know my self-harm scars and like me punching the wall and stuff like that so they tried everything they could do to get me to leave, but every like the harder they tried, the more I just rebelled against them and just projected all my pain onto them because I really believed like there was no escaping this. Um, and you know he would like threaten to kill himself or kill my family and stuff like that if I left him. So I had reason to believe there was no escape, but because of that. I just kind of like rebelled against anyone who even implied that I should leave because I thought there's no way out. Um, But like the most support, sorry, the most supportive place that I really had was honestly my job. And I worked at a restaurant um, as like a hostess because at school I felt really alone and different from everyone around me and they all knew him and they all knew he was in jail so I felt like really judged and also in danger because he lived really close to um, the school so at any time if he called me and needed me or something I would have to go be with him like and it would interrupt my school day and it was just like incredibly stressful for me And then at home, I felt like I was just ruining my parents' lives and 
like, you know, constantly fighting with them and just like there was no escape. But at work, it was just like this oasis of safety where I could kind of just, I could tell him, you know, I'm working, I can't talk to you. And it was like the one place where I could just like put my phone away and just like be myself. And um, like my coworkers there were just like really kind to me and, you know, didn't know a lot about what was going on, but as much as they knew, they were just really good to me. And in the last like few months when I was in like the really darkest place and just like anxious and suicidal, honestly, like most of the time I knew that like, if I was at my job, I was safe and I didn't have to see him and I could just pretend like my life was normal. And I think my friends, my coworkers, like they knew some of what was happening, but they never judged me for it. And I just knew they loved me and appreciated me. And it was like one of the only places that I really felt happy at the end. So I definitely like have a really soft spot for that in my heart. (laughs) That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's always, you know, amazing having an environment like that where you can just be yourself, especially when things like this are going on. Um, You did mention, you know, the intricacies, I guess, in terms of living that relationship and how your parents try to get you Mm -hmm. to leave and how he would threaten to kill himself and, you know, just stuff like that. So I guess I wanted to know, what was the final straw for you? You know, when did you finally decide to leave? And also, how did you leave? Yeah. So this is another interesting, really unexpected twist in my life, kind of like us meeting when we were 12, you know, but um, in early January of 2013, he was out of jail and he really wanted me to go to my doctor to get him a Xanax prescription so he could um, abuse it because Xanax gets you high. So I did because I did everything he said because I would be you know, screamed at if I didn't. So (laughs) I went to my doctor and told her I had anxiety because that's what you get Xanax for. And instead she gave me Zoloft, which was an antidepressant. So totally different from a um, Xanax, from an anti-anxiety benzo. It like, you can't really abuse an antidepressant as far as I know. Um, So I told him, my boyfriend, at the time that I was going to take it and I'll never forget like right then he said in two weeks that thing is going to kick in and you're going to leave me um you're not going to want to be with me anymore and it's almost like he knew that if I wasn't depressed or anxious all the time like I would realize that there's something better for me than him being horrible all the time (laughs) and that's exactly what happened so it's kind of this weird, like, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but just like magical story. But the antidepressant, you know, those aren't for everyone, for sure. But in this situation, it just, it's like a miracle, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It worked for me. Um, it just like wiped out all the pain that I was constantly carrying around, all the fear, all the anxiety. And it was like a whole new world. Suddenly the spell was broke and I could just see everything in my life was good except for that one thing that was bringing me down. And it was just so like black and white that it was him Mm. and I was done. Um, And I'm not trying to say this to like promote (laughs) 
antidepressants because I know oh. they're different for everyone. And like, I've tried to take them at different parts of my like healing journey and they didn't work, but just for some reason, like it was almost like a spiritual experience that how well it worked. So that really did it. And he was, he went back to jail um, like after I started taking it and he was supposed to be there for six months. So I was like, okay, perfect. Like I'll write him a letter to break up with him because I was too scared to deal with it over the phone. Um, Which, you know, might seem kind of low to some people, but honestly, after what I've been through, like who cares? (laughs) So yeah. So I wrote him a letter to break up with him and thinking he'd be in jail for six months so I'd like have some time and like could move and like get away and everything but he ended up getting out a week later and proceeded to like call me incessantly and ended up like stalking me at school which was really scary but I stayed strong ignored all his calls and was just like I was just in my own little world <laughs> and just like started being like incredibly social and just like trying to regain all the life that I had lost in the last almost three years during the last like three months of high school, basically. So it was quite the transition. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. And um, in terms of that whole relationship and you getting out of it, what effects would you say that has had yeah. on your life? as well as, you know, you getting into other relationships? Yeah, isn't that the question? <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's been seven years, so it's been a huge roller coaster. And I think the people that leave abusive situations and right away have the information to know that they were being abused or, like, just know what trauma is, like, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's not what happened to me. Um Basically, at first, I was just, like, completely happy-go-lucky, riding high on um, my antidepressant and all sorts of other substances because I finally felt like I was free and I could do whatever I wanted. And, like, I got a tattoo that says, Life Without Fear, because I thought that I would never feel fear again and I was just free. Um, And it was amazing, but it was a facade. (laughs) And I made, like, a lot of foolish mistakes over the next couple years, but I really needed that time to just be young and reckless and live all that life, you know, that he had taken from me. So in the end, like I moved away from my hometown to go to college across the country and ended up dating another guy who was really bad for me in college, but it wasn't, it was so different. And I just kept telling myself like, okay, he's not like calling you names. He's not um, directly controlling you. So it must not be abusive. It must be fine. But he was just like really cold. And I'm a very like emotionally intelligent kind of like I connect with emotions really deeply. And he's more of like a kind of intellectual, um, just not connected to emotion. So it felt like every time I tried to reach out for support, he just like cut me off and it was just not a good relationship. Um, And But it was just me, you know, repeating the role of victimhood that I was used to because I had not processed anything that had happened to me. So I basically repeated the trauma cycle, not quite as bad, but still was living in a really like in a relationship that made me feel um, bad <laughs> all the time, pretty much. So 
I left him in April 2016 after I kind of just had this huge awakening of like, oh, wait, like you can't treat me like that. Um, And so this was about four years ago. And slowly but surely, I started to kind of put the pieces together of what I'd been through and kind of just like realized for the first time, like what PTSD is and like the fact that it's not just veterans that have PTSD and that started clicking. And finally in early 2017, I started seeing a therapist for the first time and was officially diagnosed with PTSD. And the effects of that have been intense or they, you know, were really intense um, when I stopped kind of numbing myself with constant social activity, drinking, smoking, like weed a lot, and just kind of started to feel what was actually inside of me. And some of the worst symptoms for me have been nightmares and just waking up feeling like completely like in an altered state of terror. And lots of, like, flashbacks and paranoia where I would have to, like, lock the door three times and, like, just always feel like he was going to come get me. And just, like, a general lack of trust and anxiety and just, like, an inability to be confrontational and just getting so triggered by any kind of confrontation that would just keep me kind of bending over backwards for people that really didn't reciprocate in any way. Um, and all all of it was kind of just rooted in the sense of shame that like what I went through was my fault and more so that the fact that I quote unquote couldn't get over it was due to some weakness. Um, but as I have been healing for the past, you know, three or four years, I've come a long way. And I used to think healing was going to be some like would lead to this destination where I would be just completely happy all the time, you know, life without fear, have zero symptoms, never think about my trauma ever again. But now I know that healing is a journey like I'm always going to be on and I can still feel whole and complete and deeply fulfilled while living with the symptoms of PTSD. And they do get better as well. Like, (laughs) but just kind of, it's been a big journey for me to just accept where I'm at instead of constantly wishing I was normal or better and just be like, it's okay. Like where you're at is okay. And just kind of learning to care for myself where I'm at um, is really been a huge aspect of getting better. And yeah. And like now, you know, I've learned to create healthy relationships and yeah, I've been in a relationship with Luke, my partner, for three and a half years, and it's been this huge learning experience of like realizing that someone can actually be kind to you all the time. Like, and that was just so hard to believe. It's like when you've been treated so poorly for so long, you just think like, you know, it's a matter of time before they turn or like before they do something that makes me feel like I'm not good enough or whatever. So you know, it's been a long way, um, but I feel really confident now and really happy. And it's like, I still have symptoms, you know, I still have nightmares and I still have really hard days where it just feels like the whole world is triggering. But I have gotten to a point where I just like, I know how to care for myself. And now I'm just working on 
spreading the message of healing and just realizing that like being a survivor is so powerful and it's nothing to be ashamed of. So yeah, it's been quite the journey, but (laughs) that's where I'm at now. Yeah, it definitely sounds like quite the journey. (laughs) Yeah. So you did mention your um, healing process and when you, you know, finally started seeing a therapist and you were diagnosed with PTSD. I just had a quick question about that. Sure. Um, I think, so with that, what would you say kick-started, you know, mm-hmm. the healing process and you finally starting to look in through those things? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, basically, it just, all the symptoms I was dealing with just became too much to handle. Uh, and I felt like I had been handling things for a long time by escaping from them in any way I could, whether that was pouring myself into another person or just, you know, uh, using substances to ignore my life or numb out. And eventually it got to a point where like none of those techniques were working anymore. And I just felt like everywhere I went, I was triggered and everything I did just reminded me of the past. And I think I started doing my own research and looking up things like abusive relationships or trauma and just kind of getting those words in my head and realizing like, oh, this is a real thing. Like I'm not making this up. And yeah, it's like, I don't have a clear memory of when I decided to start therapy, but yeah, it just, I think it just started because it was too much for me to carry on my own anymore. So I had to look for help. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And the final question I was going to ask is, what advice would you give to other people in similar situations? Yeah. So if you are currently in an abusive relationship or are thinking maybe it might be abusive, um, know that the pain you're experiencing is in no way your fault. And there is hope. Um, You are so worthy of happiness and joy and someone to treat you well, you know, like you don't deserve the abuse in any way. There's nothing you could have done to observe, uh, to deserve being treated so badly. So I hope you know that when you choose to leave, there are people out there who will support you and will keep you safe. Even if it feels like you're all alone right now, people are there and will step up to the plate for you. And If you're healing from trauma of any kind, you know, you're already on that journey, just know that there is hope and it gets better and you are not alone. (laughs) Um, There's so many of us and it's like when I first started healing, I just really thought like literally no one understands me, like looking around at all my friends and it's like, I am broken. Like none of you will ever know how I feel and I don't want you to, but what do I do just with this all by myself? And realizing that there's a community of survivors out there has just been so helpful. And that's, you know, I'm so glad you're doing this podcast and I'm so honored to be here to just help others see that you're not alone and it gets better. Like there, there's so much power in you, the power that kept you alive, like the power of survival is just, amazing and it will take you so far um and if you feel really weak right now like 
know that you absolutely deserve rest. You deserve to ask for support. You deserve to prioritize your healing. I had to do that for a really long time was just kind of close myself off to people and just focus on my healing. And I, you know, it was a hard battle with shame to think like, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to take all this time to myself? Am I allowed? I moved to California because I just needed a new start. Um, and it's like, that's not selfish, you know, like you deserve to prioritize your health and it takes time, but healing is possible. And, you know, (laughs) there is good in the world and there's so much life to be had once you, when you're recovering and yeah, it's like, you can't feel it every day, but (laughs) I swear like things get better and it's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, there's so much to say, but I'm really just in awe of everyone out there who's working on healing from something like abuse and I'm with you. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for that wonderful advice, Emmy. You're welcome. Um, also, what, well, one last thing that you did talk about was, you know, sure. now you're focused on, you know, spreading the message and just Mm-mm. being there for other people. And um, I did see your um, Instagram page and you yeah. know, went through the posts on there and you've got you've some wonderful posts. Like there's a lot of things <laughs> on there that would really help people. Thank so can you. Can you uh, just talk to us about that and like, you know, how you got started on that and how that's going? Yeah, totally. So yeah, my Instagram at Blooming Forward. Um, it is, yeah, I made it about two and a half or three years ago as just sort of like another Instagram and slowly over time it became my place to just like anonymously post about trauma and my journey and it was like the way I could kind of create and in 2019 like throughout 2019 and into the summer I started really being vulnerable with what I was going through and I got to this point where I felt safe enough almost more safe to express what I was going through to a community of strangers on the internet than to my own friends and family. And (laughs) over time, it's gotten a lot easier for me to talk to my friends and family almost because of that page, because, you know, my closest people follow it. And it's like, it's given me so much leverage to feel like I can speak up in real life about what's going on. But yeah, I just, I actually just hit 10,000 followers today, which is just, I know it's like mind blowing. Um, But in a way it's not surprising at all because I know there's so many of us that have been through, you know, there's so many different kinds of trauma, not just abusive relationships, obviously, but there's so many of us out there that are just sitting in silence, feeling like broken or damaged or something. And then you find you know, I was inspired by all sorts of accounts on there that you find and you feel like, oh my God, you get it. Like, I'm not alone. Like, I'm not crazy. And that's all I want to do. Like, I just want to tell people that they're not crazy and there's hope and we're in this together. And I've gotten nothing but support on there. You know, like everyone that comments and messages me, it just gives me so much life. And yeah, like it's been a goal of mine for a long time to make, I think it's my life's purpose is to help people heal and help people see that, you know, there is so much power in surviving and I'm working on, you know, this right now, it's this amazing Instagram community and 
I'm really excited to see how it grows. Um, yeah. So I'm so happy that it's happening. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely excited to see how that goes as well. We'll thank definitely you. be keeping in touch. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, thank you so much for, you know, just taking the time out to come on the podcast and yeah. share your story with us. Also, you know, thank you so much for the amazing advice that you've given. And thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. It's something that's, you know, definitely. Thank new. you. Yeah. Thank you for the work that you're doing. That's awesome. I'm glad we could. It. Yeah. It's really cool that we could connect and. Ah, I feel really good right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. That is all for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I would like to thank Emmy for sharing her story with us. I hope this has been truly helpful to anyone in a similar situation. Please know that you are never alone. To listen to more episodes, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform where you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Connected by Stories. Please share if you know someone who would benefit from the stories. If you have a story you would like to share, please feel free to reach out to me through Instagram or anonymously through Curious Cat. The link will be in the description. See you on the next episode of Connected by Stories.